Doc Talk. I'm Jonathan Nelson with the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, coming to you from TAFP headquarters in Austin, Texas, where we are practicing social distancing and washing our hands with fervor. So <laughs> we are uh, trying something new today. Uh, this is our first foray into the world of podcasting. Who knows how this is going to go, but, you know, what the heck? We're going to give it a try. We are recording this on Friday, March 20th, one day after Governor Greg Abbott issued an executive order limiting public gatherings to 10 people, shutting down schools and restaurants, gyms and bars, all in an effort to slow down the spread of COVID-19. I'm here with Tom Banning, TAFP's CEO and Executive Vice President. Hey, Tom. Hello. And joining us also is Lance Spivey, co-founder and president of Stratify Health up in Dallas. They provide uh, back office support for physicians, including things like referral management, case and disease management, uh, data analytics, medication management, oh, lots of stuff. Hey, Lance. Hey, Jonathan and Tom. Good to be with you. I'm going to start this discussion off today with uh, with Tom, because, Tom, I know you've been getting a lot of, of phone calls. What what are you hearing from our members? Yeah, I have been getting a lot of calls uh, from family docs who are understandably concerned about cash flow and, and practice viability uh, and really uh, how to keep their practices open during this uh, unprecedented time. Um Lance, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, you manage a lot of practices throughout Texas. Um, uh, I imagine you're hearing the same or, or similar concerns from, from your physicians. We are, Tom. Um, I would say practice viability is probably our number one priority and concern at the moment. Um, with physicians across Texas in a crisis moment like this, we're really focused on ways we can help them think about um, a path forward uh, in a moment like this. So um, what are you looking at in terms of uh, cash flow um, uh, you know, services that, that doctors ought to be uh, thinking about? We visited a little bit about concentric circles. Yeah, I think we think about it um, in our business. You know, we do quite a bit of work with these practices over the years. Um, and really, a lot of that is oriented around getting a clear understanding of what their business is doing um, from a financial and an operational standpoint. And so we think about it in terms of if you think about the financial piece initially, um, these are high fixed cost businesses, as, as, as we all know. And so in a moment like this where you have a have a meaningful impact on their cash flow and their volume, uh, that can get precarious pretty quickly uh, when you're when your business is oriented around fixed or costs that don't move a lot with volume. So we think you've really got to look at, understand that fixed variable mix, make sure you can appreciate what your opportunities are, even in that fixed realm. Um, you know, we know in these practices, people are the primary cost. And so it immediately becomes a concern. Uh, people and rent uh, are big, big expenses. And so you're going to need those people in really strategic ways. We think it's a moment to think about what's absolutely essential in those ways. You'll get some help on your variable costs um, because that will fluctuate with some volume. It'll tend to decrease, especially as these visits um, become less in the office and more tele. Um, that you'll have an opportunity for those to decrease. But you really have to take a hard look um, at those fixed costs. We also think uh, there's an opportunity 
oftentimes key vendors will work with practices in moments like this and extend some payment terms, give you a little bit of cash flow uh, flexibility in a moment like this where they will allow you to pay on a slower pace. And then any other thing in your practice um, that you have an opportunity to carve on, we think now is the time to really be thinking about what's essential on the cost side. Great. And uh, as you know, the Small Business Administration has begun offering low interest uh, COVID-19 disaster relief loans, uh, which will be offered up to $2 million and can be used to pay fixed debts, payroll, accounts payable, uh, and other bills that can't be paid uh, due to the disaster's impact. Lance, you've done a little research on the SBA loan. What can you share with us? Yeah, we think um, that the SBA is making some moves, as you mentioned, that can be really helpful. Um, We would encourage and are encouraging our existing clients to orient initially to their their existing bank relationship uh, and lean into that. You know, these banks traditionally really like working with physicians. (laughs) They're a good credit risk, right? They do what they say they're going to do. They're committed to the long term. So there's lots of things that these banks like about physician practices and like about banking them. We think it's a moment to lean into those relationships, particularly when you have a good one or a longstanding one. We think the first move is to go there, look at your line of credit, understand what it is today, what flexibility you have, and then seek first with that existing relationship to expand that. Oftentimes, those banks will work with physicians in this moment, and that's your quickest path. An established relationship um, that has some context to it is a good path forward quickly. Um, We think the next move is we think groups should explore this SBA um, opportunity. Some of these practices will be with a bank currently that has SBA relationships and actually runs the SBA programs. That will help with speed. So we like that, too. Most of the large banks, if they're with large banks, do SBA lending uh, and will be doing some of this emergency work, um, certainly the larger ones. Some of the regional smaller banks, um, you'll just have to check on your relationship. We think that's a nice opportunity quickly with your existing relationship. If your existing bank doesn't have that that SBA uh, capability, we think working with them is still a very viable option. They've got, as you mentioned, Tom, the, the program in this emergency moment that they're expanding. They're trying to make that go more quickly. It is very much still an evolving moment in that program. SBA has a couple of paths. There's an established express loan program that's a smaller loan, uh, $350,000 is the maximum number you can get, but you can get it usually approved within a week or so, five to seven business days. It can move really, really quickly. So if you're with an established bank that can do that, then that's a great option to go fast. If you have to go um, through a different relationship, that one can still go fast. And it's typically directly with the Small Business Administration as opposed to through the bank. Um, as everybody, I think, knows, the SBA backs these loans, right, at different percentages. There's moves right now the SBA is making. For example, that express uh, process, they usually back it at 50%. There's moves for that to be backed at a much higher rate, um, up to maybe 90% by the federal government in a moment that allows these banks to move faster and feel more confident of their own risk. That matters. Then on the emergency um, loans that you mentioned, Tom, those are the, the the Small Business Administration is recommending folks get in the application process on that now. Uh, we're in a moment in time where Texas has said they are going to participate in that. They're not officially onboarded as of yesterday evening. I have not seen an update on that this morning, the 20th. Um, there's intentions that that will happen. The SBA and the folks that I've talked to and understand this process better than myself are saying, get your application in, start the paperwork if that's something you want to be working on. 
uh, and go ahead and queue that up so that when Texas is officially rolling, uh, that you're in queue and you can move quicker that way. We think those are good options. I think the governor is making that a priority to have access to those funds. So let me let, let me ask you one last question, Lance. You mentioned telemedicine. Um, what other strategies are y'all implementing to help physicians uh, with cash flow? Yeah, so that's obviously critically important right now as folks are rapidly moving to that technology. Folks that have used it before are leaning into it more and more heavily. Folks that haven't used it are pivoting into it just as rapidly. It's it's really amazing to see how quickly that's moving. We think it's super important from a clinical, right, operational perspective. On the financial side of that, there's some disruption there. So we are we are working with clients and our physicians um, to actually help them with a couple of options if they are not already performing via telehealth services. Um, we're working with them to have a couple of options with partners, vendors that can stand that up quickly that we know stable and work. So we're doing that um, as we speak um, all day, every day, working hard to make that happen operationally. On the financial side of that, and I think you guys are going to explore that more um, in, a, in another topic as well, we think well, there is some disruption in that space, right? So as, as you know, Tom, the, the laws on that and the requirements around that aren't, aren't as easy as an in-person office visit. The governor's made some moves on that. Um, at the federal level, they're making moves on that. There's still some turbulence around it. And so there's 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 challenges with that cash flow having some disruption. More of those visits are getting paid. They're getting paid reasonably timely. It's just not as consistent as having seen them in the office. So we think a model, um, each practice should be modeling. What does that move look like? Uh, when I go, when these office visits transition from in-person and I bill them and they're paid pretty cleanly, pretty quickly, and that moves to telehealth. What's the timing of that cash flow? Um, what's the rate look like? How often and consistently am I paid? And under certain assumptions, what's that do to my cash flow in the interim? We think that should connect then to how they're thinking about their line of credit, small business administration loans, and things like that to make sense of what do I need? Uh, how quickly can I go in telehealth? What's the payment model look like? And therefore, what kind of working capital help might I need in this moment? That's a really good way to quantify it and think about it as you talk to um, lenders and the banks. Well, I think this is exactly what our docs need to be hearing right now. So um, thank you guys very much. This has been not too bad for our first outing and podcasting. So great. I'm excited about it. I want to thank Lance Spivey of Stratify Health for being with us on our maiden voyage. Thanks, Lance. Great to be with you guys. Appreciate the time. And Tom Banning, thank you for making this happen and, you know, employing me. (laughs) And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll have more of these coming, so be on the lookout. I'm Jonathan Nelson for the Texas Academy of Family Physicians, and this has been Texas Family Doc Talk. Mm -hmm.